In this episode, we will be using BattleBards sound effects. Check them out, battlebards.com. And if you're signing up for a Prime account, be sure to use our code STACK to get a discount. The Deeds of Dieter Darkhand by Harold Ding, Minstrel Extraordinaire Chapter 1 Beginnings As I sit at my desk and peer out the window at the shadows lengthening among my estate's ancient trees, I find myself reflecting upon a lifetime spent in travel. There are days when the recollection of my many adventures brings a feeling of great weariness when I think that the images and memories in my head must have been lived by someone else, and told to me in such vivid detail that they have become my own. Yet I remind myself that these were indeed my own experiences, my own journeys in the company of Dieter, and I am amazed to have won through to the comfortable life I now lead. Life in the company of a fully committed hero is a whirlwind of activity, and the stories I have to share bear testimony to this undeniable truth. To the uninitiated, it must seem that anyone who writes the life of someone like Dieter must have the easiest job in the world. After all, with stories and songs in abundance, all one must do is snatch them from the air and write them down. But it happens that capturing the truth about someone like Dieter is as frustrating and time-consuming as it is to write about an unknown an embarrassment of riches makes it difficult to determine what is true and what is fancy. Having too much to work with is perhaps worse than having almost nothing. To this end, what follows is this humble scribe's best work to understand the truth of Dieter Darkhand from his earliest days to the current moment. I may have overlooked a detail here or missed an inconsistency there. If so... I pray you will pardon me, and understand that I have devoted myself to weighing everything with care. But you are not here to listen to my stories, but to those of Dieter Darkhand, destroyer of darkness. And so I feel it only appropriate that we make our way back to the beginning, which is a very good place to start, I should think. Please, make yourself comfortable, and enjoy the tale as this poor, humble raconteur attempts to share the story of Dieter's arrival into this world of danger and pain. It is safe to say that much of the largely general course of Dieter's life is fairly easy to trace, given the tales that have grown around his exploits. Life in the spotlight certainly has its advantages, especially for the dedicated chronicler. Yet, for all the attention he has garnered in recent years, it is an enduring mystery that his early years have proven so terribly difficult to unravel. Doing so has cost me years of searching as I track down and question person after person, sifting through comments to get at the real story. As you can imagine, there are many who wish to live in reflected glory and have claimed to hold knowledge they don't actually have. It has been my goal to compare page upon page of notes to get at the truth. And what a stack of notes it is. I have near at hand a tottering pile of pages of varying size and quality, one of many piles. Some are in my neat hand, where it is obvious I have written in the comfort of my study, with good light and time on my side. 
Others are rain-spotted and spattered with ink thanks to an inconveniently broken quill. Still others are stained with the rings of mugs and spilled soup of a hundred back-alley taverns, and, in one notable case, blood. In many instances, the writing is hurried and crabbed as I struggle to keep up with the excited pace of delivery. May the gods grant me more patience with fast talkers. Hurried or neat, each page is filled with recounted stories about Dieter, and, through careful comparison, I believe I have been able to shed light on the true story. While we are on the topic of light, I believe you will agree that it is easy to take light for granted. In the daytime it is all around us, after all, and the only time we really are given reason to think about it is when something happens to obscure it, as in the case of the rare eclipse. We are prompted to appreciate it all the more as the sun dips below the horizon and night creeps over the world. Then we pay homage to the greater light as we resort to our pale imitation of it, in the form of candle, lantern, and hearth, to push back the enveloping uncertainties of night. My study is jammed, shelf upon shelf, with scrolls in various states of repair and of differing worth. In my perusal of them, and I have read each multiple times, I am reminded of the role that light plays in the accounts of heroic deeds. It is an ever-present element. The embattled army looks with hope to the first rays of morning. The skilled hand holds a glowing blade that lights the gloom of the beast's lair. The hero light shines on the brow of the warrior, undaunted even as he falls in the midst of battle. Light demands attention, and the darker the surroundings, the more we are drawn to it. And so it seems entirely fitting that, with a sobriquet-like destroyer of darkness, Dieter's life should have begun in a brilliant burst of light. But before we get to that fateful moment, I must first describe for you the wonderful city of Carbane. First, I must bore you with a bit of geography. My native country of Dunmoriga is a land of many contrasts. At its southern end is the Sea of Grass, an unending plain of gently rolling ground and tall grasses that can grow to exceptional heights when there are not people and livestock to tread it down. It is so vast that it spills over the border into our neighboring country, Moriga. The north end of Dunmoriga is also relatively flat, but the ground is much richer and so, much of the realm's food comes from this concentrated area of fertile land. I have had the great pleasure to tour this area in the golden months of summer, and I must say that to my eye there is little as beautiful to behold as white fields of nodding midsummer wheat. And then, of course, situated firmly between these two large regions, is the Taltia, the central highlands. Hidden among the soaring crags and plunging glens are clan upon clan of wild, ferocious, and independent spirits, among whom I number myself. To call them Dunmorrigans would make them laugh in scorn, and those of the lower, more settled lands sniff with disdain. But these free-minded people must belong somewhere, and so they fall within the bounds of the realm of Dunmoriga, and the king claims them as subjects. To administer this vast land effectively, 
It was long ago decided that the reach of the southern capital of Aberandun was not enough, and so Cairbane was established as a regional capital in the north. Although it is by far the younger of the two cities, Cairbane quickly outstripped Aberandun in terms of size and population. True, its streets and buildings may lack the older grace of its more southern cousin, but the vitality of the city is a tangible force, and it is infectious. Streets are thronged, day and night. The daytime crowds are engaged in the work and bustle of running the northern half of a country. It is not uncommon to see pages darting here and there on missions of great urgency, bearing sealed parchments with long, trailing crimson ribbons and delicate wax seals, cursing as they jostle their way through the crowds. Merchants are common, of course, as they look to not only sell in this densely populated area, but also to find lucrative government contracts to help secure their businesses. Visitors from outlying areas add to the confusion, especially during major holidays, and, as always, wherever people gather, there are also those who will take advantage of them. Pickpockets and cut purses are a scourge. By night, the hard work of the day fades into the search for entertainment. Under the bright lights of the streets, throngs move swiftly in the all-too-common rain, hurrying from dry place to dry place for comfort and a little space to enjoy spending some coins. If the thievery of the daytime is a problem, the nighttime only makes it worse. For all that there is to bemoan, there is much good in the city. Its walls provide a place of refuge in times of trouble, and with the border with Trand a mere stone's throw away, the sanctuary fills a real need. The local administration does a fair job of keeping balance between the plains and the Tulcha, and legal matters are decided swiftly and justly. Some attribute these bright spots to the presence of numerous chapels within the city's precincts. It helps to have one's mind focused on things beyond this world. My investigations in the close streets of Carabane twisted as much as some of the alleys, but at long last I felt I had credible evidence to visit one of these chapels. A humble place made of dark wood from the hilly country closer to the Talcha, in many respects the chapel resembles the buildings around it, from the half-timbered walls to the slate-tiled roof. However, a small garden that serves as a buffer to the world at large is always perfectly manicured. At this point, I feel compelled to add that none have ever seen anyone tending to its white lilies or nodding acanthus, or to the immaculate lawn, yet it is always just so in its artfully wild presentation. A red wooden door with a shining brass plate and handle is perhaps the most striking thing about the place, but even that is humble in contrast to the households on either side of it. The building may be unassuming in form, but its lack of pretense makes a visit all the more meaningful. For this little place, a shrine to Vanua, the goddess of birth and beginnings, is where we may first find meaningful record of Dieter Darkhand. After a quiet conversation with midwife Madeleine of the shrine, who leafed through a dusty old book of days to find the written record shared by the door ward on that distant night, I came to know the following story. In the old book it is recorded in faded ink and a shaky hand under the date of the new year, but it is still quite legible. 
It runs like this. I was on duty at my prescribed time when there was a ringing loud knock on the door. It frighted me, so quiet had it been, and after my nerves calmed I came to the door and opened it to the night. There was no man or woman in sight, but a bundle at my feet moved. Within was a perfect little child. Because the night was so cold, I hastened to bring the child within, although in the chapel sanctum we were in the midst of the lighting. More on this in a moment. I tried to stand toward the back to catch the eye of the headwife, but before I could draw her aside, the child made a noise. No cry, but a sound that let us understand it was hungry. This drew the attention of all at the lighting, and the ceremony came to a stop as the sisters all gathered around. In a room bathed with the flickering glow of the central fire and hundreds of candles in a circle, the child stilled, and his calm eyes focused on the bright light of the flame. The lighting, I have been informed, is an annual ceremony conducted on the night leading into the start of the new year. During the rite, a fire is lit from the ashes of the previous year's fire, and from this new flame, the candles of remembrance in the sanctum are lit to bring in the new year. As the record shows, it was no trivial thing to interrupt. Two weeks later, we see another note in a different hand that shares this. The boy child left on our step has grown in our care. He is unusually still and solemn, seldom crying and often content to lie unattended. Headwife Narid has conferred with the midwives and we have determined he shall be called Dieter. It is my utmost sorrow that we cannot trace his origins any further. All attempts on my part have met with disappointment, and I do not believe it possible to take the search one step more in this direction. Thanks for listening to this second part of the Deeds of Dieter Darkhand. It's been fun to start putting together some of the backstory of this wonderfully bizarre and silly NPC that has really taken on a life of his own, and I have enjoyed getting to know him through this writing. And hopefully adding this depth is helping to develop the world too. I'm stopping at this point in the chapter. Obviously there's more to come in the chapter as we hear more about the young life of Dieter, but I hope you'll enjoy listening to more of it as it comes. In the meantime, if you have any comments, questions, or ideas, we'd love to hear from you on Twitter and Instagram at stackodice by email at stack.o.dice at gmail.com, or feel free to join us on our Discord server where we can chat with you in real time, and you can find details on how to get there on our Twitter feed. That's all I have for now, and I'll see you here again next time right here at Stack of Dice. <laughs>